Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, sponsored by Beecher Madden, the podcast that gives you the insights, techniques, and tools into top guests from the cybersecurity, governance, forensic, and data world. And I'm your host, Cole Sherman. Today we are joined by Tim Carmichael. Tim was previously the data transformation lead at Southern Water. He's devised the company's first data strategy to drive value by ensuring clear line of sight between the company's strategic priorities and the underpinning data needed to support insight and evidence-based decisions. Prior to, prior to this role, Tim was the British Army's first Chief Data Officer and Chief Analytics Officer. He led a diverse team of soldiers, civil servants and industry specialists to transform the way the Army addressed its most important decisions in the context of its strategic vision. Hope you enjoy it. Beach and Madden are recruiters for cybersecurity and corporate governance professionals. Leveraging our long-held relationships, industry knowledge, and data-driven approach, we help companies and candidates make better hiring decisions. Okay, thanks for joining us today, Tim. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Good to be here. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Well, good, good to hear. Good to hear. So let's start from the beginning. Where was you born? I was born in a town called Marlow, which is uh, in South Buckinghamshire on the uh, on the River Thames, about uh, 30 miles west of London. So I'm a home counties kid. And who are were your parents? Uh, my father's a structural engineer uh, and my mother was a full-time mum to four kids. Yeah, that's impressive in itself. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Marlow uh, on, on the whole, although we had fairly uh, itinerant lifestyle after that. Uh, at 18 I joined the army. Mm. and um, moved to lots of different places and lived in lots of uh, interesting parts, both of the United Kingdom and overseas. I've lived in, uh, in France, in Germany, in Belgium, and I've been to places that I certainly wouldn't be taking my family back. What was your, what was your education like before you went in the army? I'm a grammar school kid. I was very lucky. I grew up in an era where grammar schools were shrinking, but it turned out that um, my local education authority decided to keep them on. So uh, I took the 11 plus uh, and went to the local grammar school, the local boys grammar school, which uh, was called Sir William Borlase, which was a great school. Uh, and that set me up with a fairly classic um, three R's uh, education. But then, because I wanted to join the army, I went for my sixth form to a place called Welbeck College, which is now Defence's Technical Sixth Form College, which at the time was feeding uh, potential army officers into the system who had a technical background, who would able would be able to take up engineering type subjects at university uh, later on. And what was the first time you realised you wanted to go in the army? Uh, that's a tricky one because I'm one of those sad and unimaginative people who didn't want to do anything else. So. You know, ever since you start having those conversations about what little Johnny wants to be when he grows up, my version was I wanted to be a soldier, and that evolved into I'd like to become an officer. Mm. And I went through the selection process of becoming an army officer, and I went to Sandhurst when I was still 18, which is quite young, mm. uh, and certainly there's plenty of naivety, uh, but that makes you a mouldable individual and a chance to learn on the job, and I did a lot of learning on the job. learnt my trade uh, as a leader, uh, and in a leader in a technical environment, working with some really capable people. Mm. What was your biggest challenge in that environment? 
Well, in the early days, it was about getting ahead of the people I was leading because they were really good at what they did. And if you're meant to be exercising a certain amount of responsibility, mm. uh, then clearly you need to know what you're talking about. So learning whilst doing was very much part of the mantra. But I was helped by some very competent people who guided me along the way and crucially allowed me to make mistakes and didn't make those mistakes terminal for my early career, which um, is perhaps a change that you get nowadays. Um, but that was a while ago. I joined the army uh, in the Cold War, and so it was a fairly different environment. Um, but quickly you learn your stuff and you realise that you're adding value back as a leader, as someone who can take responsibility and take decisions, whether those are meant to be taken instantly or in a more considered manner. Mm. And what, where did the transition to the data piece come from? I'm a bit of a hybrid, so I have a foot in both camps of the, if you like, the enterprise leadership uh, of organisations and typically for me that was in the army early on. So how an organisation runs and organises itself, uh, how it leads and manages, um, how it essentially derives its objectives and what it's trying to achieve uh, at the strategic level. I was steeped in that both as a strategist and as a leader uh, and as a policy maker. But also I had significant exposure to the technical um, part of the equation, the enabling part of the equation typically, telecommunications, IT departments and so forth. And so I found that I was able to act as an interpreter. I could have a conversation with the strategic leaders and I could have a conversation with the enabling technologists and understand both camps mm. whereas if they had a conversation directly with each other quite often we had a bit of a dialogue of the deaf and I was there to solve that. Mm. So why, has, why is data so important to you? Well for me data is evidence and evidence leads you to make better decisions and decisions are what leaders are about. Mm. Um, and quite often those decisions have to be taken in real time and often and equally often they can be taken in a much more considered manner. But ultimately a decision is a combination between the art of decision making and the science of decision making. And I think that data is there to support the evidence element of that process. There's clearly a very human process in taking decisions. Uh, and um, it would be an unwise person who felt that you should only take decisions based on pure on pure evidence, because there's got to be some judgment applied to that, and that's where you get wisdom from. But ultimately, data is what brings the evidence to bear for a leader and a decision maker. And in today's world where complexity is the norm and opacity tends to kick in in bigger organisations, then you need to be able to lean and rely on evidence. And that evidence comes in the form of authoritative, trusted data, which is what the lifeblood of any organisation is now. Yeah, I agree with that. So if we just think about the army, we know the repercussions, especially on the war field, of, of getting data wrong and the value of it. In terms of businesses, why is it so important for them other than evidence to, or maybe give us a give us an example of what, a, what it may look like with evidence, why, why a business may use it? Sure. Um, and uh, this is just as valid for uh, the army as well. Mm. So you can think of the army as a lethal fighting force, um, which is essentially insurance policy for the country, or you can think of it as a £10 billion a year not-for-profit with all the complexities that go with that. And it is both of those things. And in that latter capacity, which is where I was working in my last role as the army's chief data officer and chief analytics officer, 
I was asked to come in to enable evidence-based decision-making where all the complexities of a £10 billion a year organisation uh, were apparent. Those are just as true today uh, in, in many businesses, particularly those that are large corporates or have grown up through mergers and acquisitions or grown organically in a way that is perhaps less structured and planned than you might hope. You tend to get siloed behaviour and quite often you'll get behaviours which are uh, vertical behaviours, so the Chief Finance Officer will have his team working in a certain way and for a certain end. Uh, the Chief Personnel Officer, uh, the Chief Operations Officer, the Chief Executive Officer, etc, etc. Well, however you define your organisation and your structure, people tend to work vertically up and down a chain and are incentivised to work like that. Data tells the horizontal story and my job is a silo buster. I'm there to help people uh, work data that tells a story and provides evidence across multiple vertical strands and links them all together to give you a much cleaner understanding of what your outcome is. So to answer your question, data is important to business because it allows the business to examine all of the ingredient pieces to making a good decision about what really matters and not just some of the ingredient pieces to, to make better decisions in certain silos. How do you how do you embed a, a strategic vision by using data? So, it it's very much a challenge of technology uh, and of cultural uh, behaviour and of processes. So, people process technology. It's a fairly classic uh, programmatic approach, but. Um, it, cultural change tends to be the hardest to land. So what I tend to do when I'm asking an organisation to think about its data is to raise its sights to the level of the top of the organisation, to enterprise level, where the C-suite acts, and to understand what is important to the C-suite, what is important to the chief finance officer, the chief marketing officer, um, uh, the chief customer officer, whoever those CXOs might be. Uh, and once they've understood what it is that they're trying to achieve and why, then you start looking about what information, data, evidence, whichever way you want to label it, they need to bring to bear to help them achieve what they're being asked to achieve in their area. But if they're constantly referring back to the strategic objectives of the organisation at enterprise level, that gives you a common currency against which you can essentially ask everyone to play by the game instead of... Uh, languishing further down the hierarchy in a place where it might feel important to them but it's perhaps of less importance to the overall strategic endeavour. Once you make that linkage to what's important to the organisation and why, you can then start figuring out the how of you bring, how you bring data to bear to support that information and that insight. Ultimately at Southern Water here where I'm working now as the interim head of data transformation, we talk about driving insight with data and that's very much essentially what we're trying to do. And for that insight, is that for the customer, the people within the business, the business itself, what's the insight for? What's in, the purpose? In the first instance, it's typically for uh, people in the business who are demanders and users and consumers of data and data products. And those data products might be uh, a fairly classic uh, spreadsheet or a graph coming from one of those or some... Uh, dashboarding, or they might be higher-end analytics. If you get into advanced analytics, you're starting to look to the future. And so for the users and consumers and demanders of data services in Southern Water, we're asking them to imagine not only taking decisions based on what has happened, that's, that's uh, descriptive analytics, or why that happened, 
diagnostic analytics, but also to think about what might happen next and what would be the best thing to do about that. Those are advanced analytics together and those are predictive and prescriptive analytics. And those four flavours of analytics are quite well understood when you talk about them in uh, their layman's terms, but perhaps not as used as they might be. And there, that's about harnessing data, coming up with a really good mathematical model, uh, and for that you need proper data scientists uh, and modelers, but a partnership with the business area that's trying to demand these data services to have it inform the assumptions around the model and the business rules behind the model, and to own the base data that is then fed into that model. That way you get people driving the car, looking out through the windscreen, looking forward in time, rather than driving the car, trying to navigate it using only the rear view mirror, looking behind them. Yeah. So, just on that point then, if I said this to you, what would you think? So, that success is linked to an outcome by the use of data. Would you agree with that, that your whole organisation's success is... For, the, for them to achieve that outcome is linked to data. So I believe that data fundamentally underpins most actions uh, in most modern organisations. Clearly there are other aspects of what an organisation does and how the people behave that are not inextricably linked to data. So I wouldn't suggest for an instant it's a panacea. Mm. But it's really quite important if you're not properly harnessing and exploiting your data, you're, meet, you're missing out on a whole richness that the organisation already has. Uh, and so my job is to bring to the organization's attention, whatever that organization is, the richness of the source data they currently have and how best to harness that for use to drive insight through data. I mentioned earlier that data was primarily in Southern Water for the benefit of users and consumers within the business and typically at the senior levels of the business. We mustn't forget also that there are a bunch of other stakeholders out there who will have an interest in our data, the data we can share, not least of which, of course, customers, uh, the regulator and the shareholders of the business, all of whom have a legitimate interest in gaining good, clear data that allows them to gain insight to inform their decisions about whether to stay or go as a customer, about whether to encourage or regulate in a certain way as a regulator, and about whether to continue investing or not. So it's in our interest to make sure that as much of our data is transparent and has utility to, to a wider audience beyond just the business itself. And there was a something you said previously was that you like to help solve the most pressing strategic business problems by working together to identify uh, the data that matters. So give us another example of the data a organisation could use. Well, um, fundamentally, <coughs> data tends to come in various forms. It'll come as structured data, something that appears in a database or uh, spreadsheets or charts, or it'll come as unstructured. It might be textual data from uh, open source um, uh, social media, for instance, which might give you a clue as to how your workforce is thinking and behaving. But fundamentally, I think all uh, organisations will want to have a handle on the data that underpins what it is they're trying to deliver, how successful they are against delivering that, how much that costs, what the return of investment is. So there's always going to be balance of investment type financial data at the heart of much of which we offer. So when I look at what's most strategically important to the business, Southern Water today, it's what is the quality of our water? Are we at risk of poisoning anyone or are we delivering as we should good clean water to our consumers? And that's clearly what Southern Water aims to do and have the evidence to demonstrate that it's doing that. 
Equally, does it have the data to support the fact that it is taking away wastewater in a way that means that sanitation uh, is, is taken into account and we're not becoming a pollutant of our environment? So there's data around clear water, wastewater, the environment, there's data around relationship with our customers, there's data around information that supports our billing process and our charging process, and of course there's data about our own team, our own asset structure, much of which of course is uh, is uh, fairly chunky engineering assets that were built in uh, Victorian times or started off in Victorian times, many of them. So there's a whole range of data about that which is important. Mm. Uh, in the Army, our data tended to focus around the skills and training and ability of our, of our soldiers, uh, the readiness of our organisations to go on deployment when required to by the government, uh, the ability to support those uh, in terms of their logistic support, uh, and so forth, as well as balance of investment type decisions on where best to spend taxpayers' money. Is there financial value in every in every piece of data that you produce? I'm sure there is, but it's hard to label. Mm. Um, and I think that some data will have more value than others. So the data that's associated with our customers, the data that's associated with the cost of our capital expenditure, for instance, these have significant value. Other pieces of data you might think at first um, cut have perhaps less value, but I would suspect you can gain some value out of any data. That said, I think what's really important, going back to my earlier point of focusing on that which is genuinely strategic important, mm. it's just as important as data professionals for us to help the business understand which data to retire and how to do so safely in an appropriate manner to protect privacy and to comply with the appropriate regulation there. The General Data Protection Regulations um, will oblige everyone in the United Kingdom and the European Union to play by a certain set of rules, part of which is the right to have um, privacy data deleted and the right to be forgotten. So the art of retiring data rather than just being a data hoarder is a new skill that not many organisations have come to. And I think that's very much part of the deal because it allows you to focus on what's important and not be overburdened by stuff that's either overtaken by events or you shouldn't be holding anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. That's certainly going to be a big change. If 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 not all the data has financial value, how do you best say, using the evidence you have, you deliver this to a board? Well, monetizing data is a, a very hot topic at the moment and understanding how a board can understand the value of its data when it can't necessarily put a, a pound sign next to that or a dollar sign next to that is always going to be a challenge. But what's interesting is many modern organisations will absolutely have a value of their uh, hard infrastructure. They'll be able to tell you how much, how much their office chairs cost, but not necessarily how much the data held inside the, the, the computer that sits on top of the table next to the office chair costs. And for me that sounds a little bit, uh, a little bit out of kilter and part of what I'm trying to bring alongside the Chief Data Officer of Southern Water is an understanding of the intrinsic value of data, even if we can't make it explicit. Now data might have a value um, uh, financially, but equally, of course, you get your data wrong and that has an impact and a value, therefore, reputationally. Uh, and so there is a whole um, cultural progress to be made in understanding uh, the value, whether in monetary terms or not, to any organisation of its data and the data it needs to do its job. Mm. How, would you, how would you look to, you know, when you're talking about strategy, how would you look to deliver that, best deliver that to a shareholders or boards, how would you normally deliver that message? 
So my first message is data does not equal IT. Okay. Uh, both are enabling functions, but essentially data is what flows through the IT. If you think of the IT as the plumbing, uh, the networks, the routers, the tin and string, data is the, uh, the lifeblood that flows through that plumbing. So data sits at the junction between technology and business. Uh, and is enabled by technology for the benefit of the business. So it's important that they don't think that this is just simply a back office function. It's a clear partnership. That's my second message. It's a clear partnership between data and the business itself. And that implies ownership of data by business leaders. For some, that'll be absolutely apparent and immediate, and they know they need this data, and therefore they want to take good, clean ownership of this. And in the financial services sector, they talk about golden source data, where a certain element of the data, maybe over transactions, has been um, taken ownership of by that part of the business, and all other parts of the business are obliged to go um, to find their data in that place and that place only. And that way you get away from incoherence and uh, duplicatory data. Um, but essentially, if you're trying to make the case for the value of data, you've got to express how it's going to work to the benefit of the organisation. And once again, I go back to raising everyone's sites to enterprise lesson uh, level, have them understand what's important to them and what are they trying to achieve, the what and why of what they're trying to achieve, and then make a very clear linkage between what information flows, and information is just data set in context, what information and therefore data flows do they need to enable good insight, strong insight and better decision making about what matters to them, as opposed to guesswork or judgment, which in and of themselves are not harmful, but after a while can become harmful if you're not underpinning them with good evidence. And that really comes back to the culture that you just touched on there in terms of that in terms of that data piece, but what other shortcomings have you found in this in this field? Well, culture is an important one, um, and I think that uh, for many people, we're asking them to um, take a leap of imagination and a leap of faith. I think one of the biggest challenges that I've had to overcome, um, particularly in the army, but it's also um, the case here in Southern Water, and I think it'll be the case in many organisations, is that you're asking people, when you do data in a certain way, and in Southern Water we are centralising all those people involved in data into one central coherent data team, working off assured data to deliver insight through data. And I think that's a really powerful message. And everyone has got the joke behind that. Everyone's understood how that adds value. But there's still a certain element of having people understand that we're not asking them to lose control or ownership of that information that they need to do their work. Indeed, we're asking them to take more ownership of that information they need to do their work. What we're asking them to do, though, is to relinquish to the data team the delivery of the data products, those sources of information from which they can draw good insight, whether they're dashboards, advanced analytics, data science, or anything else in between, uh, as opposed to trying to do them that themselves in a lot of repeated cottage industries around the business. Uh, and for many relatively uh, immature organisations in terms of their data maturity and many organisations in this country and throughout the Western world are relatively immature in their data journey, uh, though not all, then uh, understanding there might be a better way to achieve the same effect and delivering data as a service is quite a tricky conversation to have because people see their comfort blanket being taken away or their safety net being taken away. So the, ch the real challenge is how you deliver transformation without dropping the ball on business as usual. Let's, let's focus on that transformation piece then. And you as an individual, 
let's focus on more of that. So within data, if we're talking about the culture difference and, and ma making data as part of the business, what type of leader do you need to be as, a, as someone in your position? You need to be someone who fundamentally understands data. Uh, that's a given, in just the same way as you'd expect a chief finance officer to pretty much know his accounts, uh, at the risk of grossly oversimplifying what CFOs the world over do. Um, but, so that's a given, and that must be a given, that you know your data and you know how it works and you know how you can harness it for the benefit of the business. But there are a bunch of other soft skills that are needed to be an effective leader in a data and uh, in any business environment. And those are the, the skills to engage with other business leaders. And typically I've found when I'm engaging with business leaders or with military leaders, I tend to get one of three reactions when I talk about data. And it's what their eyes are doing when they're looking at me. I tend to get glazy, rolly or sparkly. So glazy as the eyes glazing over, I have no idea what you're talking about and I hope you go away soon so I can get on with my job. Rolly are, oh, here he goes again, banging on about his precious data, leave me to get on with my job, but actually I'm fine on my data. But sparkly are the ones, the senior leaders, you can see them, they're already leaning forward in their chair, their eyes are sparkling, and they're saying, finally, someone who understands data can help me figure out mine. And they're already starting to imagine the use cases and the pain points that they can solve by helping, by using data, harnessing and exploiting data to deliver the insight that they need rather than guesswork. And those are the ones you go after first. So when you're talking about what kind of leader do you need to be in a transformative environment, it needs to be someone who can engage people's imaginations, help them understand that there is a genuine business benefit to be had here, and then hold their hand on the walk down that path. Um, and part of that is by going for the sparkly-eyed guys first, so they can become your evangelists. And when the sparkly-eyed guys are sitting in the boardroom or in the executive committee, and they're showing that they're making improvements that they've derived because they're harnessing data in an appropriate way, the rollies and the glazies will follow suit in due course when they're ready to. Okay, just focusing on that piece then. For a leader to be successful, it's going to be getting the data from start to the delivery piece. So how do you do that? How do you, you're sourcing the data and you're looking to deliver that Talk me through that process of you as a in that position. Sure. So uh, I'll, I'll talk you through it, even taking back one further step from that. Let's start at the strategic objectives of the company. So let's say some organisation, in this case Southern Water, they've got a set of very clear strategic objectives. My job is to bring the data, products and services that underpin those objectives uh, to bear. And not just in a management information sense, but that really drive good business behaviours and good understanding for the users, consumers and demanders of that, da of that data, which tend to be the senior senior people in the business, but frankly, all the way throughout the business. But So therefore, my output becomes their input. Here, look, here's your data services. This is what you need to know. Now go draw insight from that, and we'll help you with that too if you want, to go make great decisions or to do good business. So my outcomes are data products, whatever those might be, and I've discussed those already. How you get to those is essentially a combination of three things. It's a combination of good, assured, underpinning data, and there's a whole data quality um, uh, challenge to be faced there in just about every organisation. Then there is the tools that help you manipulate that data and exploit that data and essentially there are four functions that you want to be able to do with your data. You want to be able to profile it, to understand what it looks like, how good it is, where it is, can you get hold of it. Then you want to be able to essentially in data, in data warehouse terms anyway, it's not the same everywhere, extract, load and transform that data to a place where you can do something good with it from its place of storage. Then you do the 
manipulation of that data, whatever that might be, and you might be deriving advanced analytics products that I spoke about earlier. And then at the top end of that is the visualization piece, where you demonstrate to people the, uh, the, the, what you've learned from the data and what they can draw insight from. And that visualization is the interface between the data specialist and the business consumer and demander of that data. So you need tools that can do all of those things and help you do all those things, working on assured base data. But clearly, of course, the other thing you need in that equation are people with the knowledge, skills, experience and understanding who know how to work those tools and how to corral that data. So you need people who are data engineers, you need analytics people, you need data scientists, you need business analysts to help people walk through what it is they're trying to achieve, and you need managerial slices within that, depending on the size of your organisation, uh, and lots of points in between. Uh, so those are the kind of ingredients that a data leader and someone doing data transformation, a, data, a chief data officer, needs to bring to bear, focusing rigorously on delivering products that talk to the things that matter to the organisation. How important are people to that process? Fundamental. Uh, people are important in on the consumer side in helping demand uh, define the demand signal, what it is they really want, and having that openness of imagination to, to help to, to think innovatively. And then on the supply side, if you like, from within the, the data uh, team or the data community within an organisation, you need to have people who have imagination to understand how they can help solve uh, that demand signal. And typically that demand signal will be solved by, yeah, we already do that, we do that. Uh, you want it in this part of the business, we do it for another part of the business, so we'll just repurpose that and give it to you. Or, no, but we do something similar, so we can rework that and give you another variant. Or, no, we don't do that at all, but we acknowledge it's an important thing to do, so let's help you develop that and we'll work it together in partnership, and that's a partnership between data, business, enabled by IT typically to do software development and you tend to work an agile methodology there to deliver those outcomes. But also you need people who have the moral courage to stand up to the business to say, I don't think you should be doing that. Either because that would lead to a, brevis, uh, a, a breach of some of the regulatory uh, obligations, typically um, data privacy regulations, or because they simply don't see how that aligns to the strategic imperative and the strategic priorities of the organisation. And so everyone in data needs to have enough of an understanding of the business as people to be able to say, yeah, that fits, or no, I don't think that fits. I think you get better bang for your buck elsewhere. Let's be honest and open about that and let me help you find a place where we can make a better data effort that supports more important outcomes. So to find them people, what do you look for in someone? Well, uh, we're looking with people with um, knowledge, skills, experience and understanding. Um, now, you can't create experience, uh, that comes. Uh, with time and with exposure to challenges successfully met or challenges failed but learned from, that's really important. So I'm looking for people who are able to learn as they go and help others learn as they go. I'm looking for people who are good communicators at a certain level and other people who are really good down in the ones and noughts weeds of the base data. I'm looking for really strong data scientists, I'm looking for data engineers who can help wrangle that data, and I'm looking for people who are good at the analytics part and the visualisation part. I'm delighted that in Southern Water we have many of all of those skill sets and part of the challenge here is to cohere those together. And the strength of the team is very apparent in its centralisation where you can see the synapses sparking off each other when they realise that Tom over there is doing something different to Jane over there, but actually they could be doing the same thing which would work better, or Jane has already solved that problem that Tom, Tom is, is wrestling with. These are really good news stories there. Um, 
So you require all of those kind of skill sets uh, mixed between technical competence, the ability to communicate, and the ability to imagine and innovate. Do you or the Chief Data Officer here recruit people that are similar to yourselves? Well, clearly the Chief Data Officer here, Peter Jackson, needs a senior leadership team around him who can help lead that effort as Southern Water comes into its transformation and starts delivering business value. Part of the challenge that Peter faces is dealing with that which is transformative change, which is what I'm here to help him deliver, and that which is business as usual, which clearly he can't drop the ball on that. And so not compromising your business as usual whilst also finding a better way of doing things with the same set of resources is fun fundamentally the big challenge here. And any organisation would recognise that in transformation. And for that, in this game, you require people who are um, skilled and experienced in delivering change, but also good at the, uh, the nuts and bolts of business as usual. Mm. And I know we've touched on this, but I think this is such a huge point that a lot of organisations, especially that I speak to, don't really realise, but what are the differences between business and technology, especially evolving around that data piece? Well, I think the gap is closing. Um, clearly, um, business needs to harness technology and needs to harness uh, data and many other things that it needs to harness in order to deliver a set of outcomes. And business leaders will be um, using a whole bunch of avenues to uh, tackle the business problems they have, many of which can be helped through technology uh, and or through data. Um, I suppose the fundamental difference is that business is the front face uh, and the raison d'etre of the organisation at enterprise level, whether it's profit making or not, delivering its outcomes is effectively what it's there for. Technology is the enabler to have it do that. The danger is when technology becomes the driver, unless you're deliberately trying to be disruptive of what you're trying to do, in which case that's fine. Uh, but I think that technology should be a servant of the business and uh, the business should not be a slave to the technology. For that reason, uh, what I try to do at the British Army and what we're doing here in Southern Water is we're trying to delaminate our data to separate it from the underpinning technology so that we can retire uh, and commission different forms of technological solutions without compromising the underpinning data. And where you get to solutions in place that are very closely coupled to data with system, those are the hardest ones to decouple, to delaminate the data, so that you can evergreen your approach. So you said about the business and technology getting closer. How and if at all does that affect the culture of the company, the closer they get? Well, I think uh, certain companies think of themselves that they are financial services companies, they're engineering companies, uh, or they are whatever. Others think of themselves as technology, uh, as technology companies themselves, digital companies, or data-driven, or any of those things. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, necessarily. You can be an engineering company that's data-driven. You can be a design company uh, that is data and technology-driven, and one glance at Dyson will tell you how that looks uh, in its mature form. And the Chief Data Officer at Dyson is doing excellent work there in support of that organisation. Um, but I think that your culture will tend to change <clears throat> if at the heart of your culture is a culture of innovation and change and transformation and disruption, you'll have a certain approach to things. If at the heart of your culture uh, or your business is a culture of stability and service, then you'll have a different approach to things. 
Um, data, I think, is a common thread to all of those. How it's harnessed and to what ends will change with the context, but frankly, data is data. Uh, and data as a function is something that needs to be taken seriously by any organisation, whether it sees itself with data and technology at its heart or as an enabler. So let's go one bit, let's go slightly deeper. How, how would you build a data culture? Where would you start? I think you start on that very human uh, level of what's in it for me? Mm. Why should I invest my... Uh, my heart and soul and good endeavours into something that perhaps is new to me and perhaps I don't fully understand uh, and perhaps I might be a bit wary of uh, because some people will think that data in a fully mature form which leads into um, automation and machine learning uh, and AI does that cost jobs? Uh, if you start automating what I do am I going to be out of a job and so there's going to be inevitably some human wariness there. I think that needn't necessarily be the case uh, and I think that the way you get around um, bringing people on board a journey to data is to start with what's in it for them and all of us have got tales of how things are made more uh, difficult and more complex uh, by certain areas where they could be simpler and if only I was able to do this is a great place to start a conversation about how data can help. If only I could string together that bit of information with that bit of information with that system I'd be able to do it much better but as it turns out at the moment I'm having to deal with a certain network and a certain system and then some paper copy of stuff and the two are incoherent. Well data helps solve that problem and it helps stitch together process, business process and outcomes underpinned by data so that things become easier for people and when you liberate people from the drudgery of working around a system that doesn't work properly or that is imperfect in so many ways, as many organisations tend to be, especially those that have grown organically, then what you're able to do is to liberate them to do the stuff that's more important. Let me give an example. We've got some really capable people here in Southern Water working on a wholesale proposition, but we would be the first to admit we have certain data challenges. And the people who should be deriving insight from the data are spending a lot of their time wrestling the data in the first place before they can get to the place where their value add is adding insight. My job, alongside the Chief Data Officer, is to get to a place where we unpick the handcuffs of their data so that they can spend most of their time deriving insight as opposed to most of their time wrestling the data into a place where they can use it to derive insight. So that's where you take people on a, uh, on a journey that says, this data stuff is good for you. It's not like saying, eat your greens, but it is saying that this is really good and wholesome and nutritious stuff, and if we align it properly, you're going to feel the benefit of it. So that's the place where you start bringing people on board, how it will help them. And then you scale that up, depending on the size of the organisation you're in, to understand how that helps the organisation as a whole and everything in between individuals and leaders of the organisation at the top of the organisation. How does it help? What's it there for? Data on its own is of little use. Data harnessed for the benefit of the business helps people uh, and therefore they're more likely to get on board. I love that people piece, yeah. That is just very thought-provoking. Uh, something that I've always used is what if you couldn't fail, what would you like to achieve? Um, and it just it just makes people think slightly differently. Um, so I certainly like that piece. But with GDPR, does this mean that more companies are gonna have to take on a data culture? Well, of course, data and data protection are very slightly different um, things. Uh, data protection is a, uh, a subset of the overall data endeavor. 
But I would offer that um, if you're just seeing the General Data Protection Regulations, GDPR, as a stick with which to be beaten by the Information Commissioner's Office, then you're missing a trick. Because I think GDPR and the practices that it espouses are all about doing the right things with data in the right way yes. and gaining the, the appropriate data culture. That, of course, leads you to better business practices, doing your data properly, which is what GDPR is all about, in order to protect the privacy of the citizen. Doing your data property, uh, properly is all about uh, getting best value out of it. So actually, doing the things that GDPR will oblige us to do from May are all about doing the right things with data which make good business sense. So it's an opportunity as much of it as a threat. And I think that that's two sides of the same conversation that need to be uh, need to be brought into play. If we think it's just a regulatory tick box exercise, frankly, all of the benefit you can draw out of it is probably going to be missed. And it's going to be much harder to be compliant uh, rather than setting out from the outset how you're going to handle people's data properly so that you can gain best value out of it, but in a, in a legitimate way and with their active and enduring consent. So back to you for the final bit. What's been your biggest success within, within data? I think my biggest success has been taking the eyes that were rolling and glazing and turning them into sparkling eyes and helping people understand the benefit that the data can bring to their business outcomes, helping them to understand the centrality of data to their endeavours, but that none of that means for them they need to relinquish control and hand it off to a bunch of specialists. And so for me, it is very much that transformative moment where you see the penny dropping and people getting the joke about data, the, ah, oh, I see what I could do now moment. That's a really important place to get to. And of course, it's so much more satisfying when the people you're trying to help and enable arrive at that deduction themselves because it's much more likely to stick and that business change is much more likely to land than if they're just being told. Not many people like to be told what to do, but people love to discover a benefit and then exploit that for the benefit of whatever they're trying to do, whether that's for a utility like Southern Water, for other businesses out there, or in the public sector where I came from. So all of that, my business, biggest achievement is helping people get the joke over data. Excellent. Now, every podcast we finish with 10 quick fire questions. Okay, so you ready? I'll give it a go. What turns you on professionally? Making a positive difference. What turns you off professionally? Not being listened to when I know the message is worthwhile. How do you unwind? I cook. What profession other than your own would you like to try? I haven't thought of another one. <laughs> what activity gives you the most energy? Cycling. Who is your biggest inspiration? My wife. If you had to present a speech right now, what one word would be its subject? Insight. You are at your best when you are doing what? When I'm helping others understand something that otherwise would feel quite opaque. If today was the last day of your life, what one lesson would you impart? Treat others as you would wish to be treated yourself. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as the reason he is letting you through the gates? He did more good than bad. Excellent. Love that answer. What do you like to cook? Uh, I've got several dishes I like to cook, but yeah. whether it's fish or rack of lamb or anything, I like to cook the dishes that help me show off. <laughs> um, I have to ask, why, why is your wife your biggest inspiration? Because she works ten times harder than me for ten times less the pay. 
I love that. That's even better. That's even better. Well, thank you for today. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, really, really good to speak to you. And I uh, hope that some of what we've uh, discussed is of useful to your listeners on the podcast. Yeah, I hope so. I'm sure many business leaders are now thinking about what they can do with data and the, and the culture piece behind that. Uh, and if they're doing that, I'd love to have a conversation with them at the end of my current contract. <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and for future conversations, reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn.